For more information on this topic or on the subject of disciple making in general, look us up online at browndegreen.org or send us an email directly at podcast at browndegreen.org. Thanks for listening. You are now listening to The Great Awakening, a disciple making podcast brought to you by Brown and Green. And now for your host, Lauren Ferris, Lori Evans, and Summer Cole. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Great Awakening. I am Lori Evans. I'm Lauren Ferris. And I am Summer Cole. Um, Thank you, guys, for joining us today. So as most of you know, um, our husbands, uh, my husband, Travis, and Lauren's husband, Michael, and Summer's husband, Stanton, are generally the hosts of the show. And for some crazy reason, they thought that it would be fun for us to sit in their seats and uh, give it a shot. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, I do hope that you guys enjoy it. Uh, I also hope that we enjoy it and that maybe we can come back someday. So uh, the, the thing is, like, they wanted us to have a wives episode, but uh, really, I think this is a daughter's episode uh, because we are daughters of the Most High God and their sons. So it's not husbands and wives. It is sons and daughters. Amen. So thank you ladies for joining us today as well. And we're going to share stories of transformation in Christ. For the record, Summer, I know very little about you. I know that you live in Kansas City (laughs) area. I know that you're married to Stanton and that you guys have some kids. Yeah, I'm excited to share it to to know all of us a little bit more. Yeah. So why don't you start with that, Um, Summer? Kind of kind of just a little bit about yourself, just a little, little brief introduction. Yeah, so I um, lived in Kansas my entire life, been married to Stanton, I think will be 15 years in July. So just an incredible um, blessing from the Lord, that marriage and that he's gifted us. Um, so yeah, I grew up here. I'm a nurse, I'm a registered nurse, but I've actually taken a back seat on that recently because I'm running my own business. And it's like, I can't wait to share more about that, but the Lord is just continuing to bless that business. So, yeah. Awesome. And Lauren, I I do know you. (laughs) I know you now. I don't, I don't know a lot about your background. So why don't you introduce yourself and kind of, kind of tell us just a little about you. Personal stuff. Michael and I've been married for 11 years. Um, I have two children and um, I, uh, I don't know what else to say. You grew up in Oklahoma? I did not. No, no. I was born in New Hampshire. Uh Military brat. We bounced around a lot and I got stuck here. Awesome. Most of you guys, if you, if you've heard any of the other podcasts, uh, Travis and I did one. So you guys kind of know our story. Travis and I have been married uh, coming up on 10 years. We are a blended family. We have four kids between the two of us, actually five. I always forget about the oldest because he was gone before I came along. Um, but I do claim him as mine. And, um, we, we live here right by Hair Church. So, We've been coming to Hair Church about a, nine years. I think we started coming in 2011. And so, yeah, just, it's been amazing the things that the Lord has done, the transformation of the lives here at Hair Church through disciple making and how awesome it is that we get to connect to other bodies uh, like Summer Stanton's body up in Kansas. So um, let's just start. I think, Lauren, let's start with you. Kind of give me your, an idea what your life was like before Christ. Um, well, I honestly, I mean, I've known... I've known the Lord my whole life. Um, thanks to my parents. Um, they, they introduced, they introduced me to church at a young age. I grew up Catholic. So, um, they always had us in the church. We were a military family. We bounced around a lot, but we always went to church on base. Um, so I think when I, when I really realized that God was there and, and active was, um, probably I was eight ish or nine. Um, and I just remember things, not being able to deny things that I knew were him. Um, and it just built a pillar of faith in me at a really young age. So through my, my teen years and my early adult life, um, I just kind of clung to that faith of knowing that he really was real. Um, I even remember when I was younger, um, I was probably in my early twenties questioning why, like all my friends had always questioned God and, and I never did, but it's because, um, I knew that I had that my feet were, were pretty planted on a, a, a pretty solid foundation of him, but um, I, I still lived 
I think I just had a, a more of a familiarity with him and not so much the relationship I do now. So um, I've known him my whole life, but the relationship didn't really start developing until, man, late 20s, early 30s, um, when I really started developing a, a personal relationship with the Lord. But it, it's been there my whole life. Like I've, I've known about him and um, I've always prayed and um, I definitely have my parents to thank for that, um, for for putting me in that environment at such a young age and um, just allowing allowing that to carry me through to, to what I know now. That's awesome. I um, I didn't grow up in church. And so this whole church thing was new for me. And I think it's awesome how, how we can almost be in the same place, regardless of the background. Like, that's the cool thing about the Lord is like, it doesn't matter if you weren't born into a church where you you're grown up in the word and you still you can still mature in, in his love and, and his gospel and, and, and be mature. Um, what about you, Summer? Did you, did you grow up in the church? Yeah, I actually did. It's kind of, it's cool that, cause like Lori said, I don't know much about you guys. I mean, I feel so connected to you guys because we're spiritual family and we have that, that peace um, with the Lord. But I was going to say, Lori, we are a blended family. So I don't know that you knew that or not, I but that was cool. <laughs> we, uh, when Stan and I got married, he had two kids and I had one and now we've had two together. So anyways, um, but yeah, but that's funny because I am just like Lauren too, where I did grow up in the church. So I actually have a very similar background there where um, my parents were divorced, but my father was an incredible godly man that loved the Lord. And, and I just had that relationship and was in the church. And I remember right around eight or nine too, like, um, you know, believing that Jesus died for me and, and to be saved and all that stuff. And so I grew up in the church, same thing. Um, I did, you know, didn't always make the best choices as a teenager, but like, I always knew like when I was doing something, like I knew the Holy spirit was in me and I knew, um, like right from wrong, which I believe is the Holy spirit speaking to us and prompting us. But, you know, I, I, I led the worldly view and, and hung out and did things that I shouldn't have been doing. And at the age of 19, I became pregnant and, that was like the first time in my life that like the Lord gave me grace. Like I, I knew what grace meant in that moment. Um, my parents showed it to me like they were, they loved me through it and all that stuff. But it was just cool. Like that was a, a huge turning point in my relationship with the Lord. And, but I'm still like, it was just, I was a baby Christian still, even at that time. But, but I knew there was more to it. And so um, like over between 19 to about 23, like I really wanted to start digging into the word. And I was like, I know that the Bible is there. I don't understand it, but I started reading it and it just became alive to me. And so like the Lord has just been so tender and gracious and patient to, you know, for all of us that he's just, he's always there. He's just waiting for us to take those next steps and become closer with him. So yeah, um, that's kind of a little bit of my background. Like I was saying, like I began to really sit in the, sit in the word and really grow. Um, Stan and I got married when I was 22. So at the time I had a two-year-old. Um, and so I was going to nursing. I was in college for nursing full-time and going to the church, you know, as a single mama, but like me and my identity was jacked up. It was so messed up, you know, it was, you know, I'm a single mom and unmarried mom. Um, and so like that held on to me for a lot of years. And so you know, part of what we'll talk about with discipleship is just how my identity has changed completely um, because of it. And so, but yeah, so we, uh, we continue to grow and I continue to, you know, spend time with the Lord and, and um, like before discipleship, that's kind of what I want to get to was the Lord had asked us to adopt. And like, that was a huge um, growing moment, like a huge obedience, step of obedience before I even knew what discipleship was or discipling or even a deep relationship with the Lord. Like I was always keen to wanting to do the right thing um, and, and listening to the Lord. And so uh, Stanton and I, we decided to adopt when I was only 25 or 26, I believe. So, um, but man, like the Lord birthed this huge faith in me during that time. And like, I'm so grateful for, it. even though I don't know that I was doing it you know, like I knew I heard the Lord say it and do it, but like I didn't grasp all of it. You know what I mean? But anyway, so he birthed this huge faith in me, like that we had to rely on him for all things like financially and just, um, man, I, I have so much I could share about that story. I think that would be a great, another podcast of, of our adoption, how the Lord, um, just blew my mind during that process. But 
yeah. So it, it, it's always been a journey for me. And so like, but he's given me these huge nuggets of, um, of things to help me grow and become closer to him. I love that. Also, um, Lauren and I decided we're, we're going to start our own podcast. So, so you, you, <laughs> yeah, the you, boys you are beating. That. You can tell us. Yeah. You can tell us all about that. Adoption. <laughs> um, but that kind of leads me into the next question that actually I have. You kind of touched on it is there's a transition period or a, a period between the time that we meet the Lord the first time and when we get into a disciple making relationship. So, Lauren, can you kind of speak into that, like the difference between what that looks like before? Sure. So like I said, like I knew, I knew the Lord and I knew of him, but um, kind of like summer, I knew that there was more to it. Um, I just didn't know what that was. And I had always seen the Bible and I'd always felt this um, pulling toward it, but, but I didn't know, um, like I didn't know how to read the Bible um, <laughs> and I didn't know where to start with it. It was overwhelming, like this huge book with tiny print and um, um, like I'd always felt this pull toward it. I'd just never taken the plunge. So Honestly, my um, my close relationship with the Lord started before I entered into a discipling relationship. Um, it actually started when Michael started walking with Chris. He would leave for D group on Tuesday night, and I would put the kids to bed, and I would sit on the couch, and I just remember thinking, "Okay, I'm just going to start in the New Testament, and I'm just going to read." And I remember thinking, "Oh my gosh, this, this got to get better!" Like I. I'm dozing off and, um, <laughs> but eventually it grabbed my attention and I started reading through it and I, I grew to love it and I grew to love my time with it. And so that, that transition period of, of knowing and feeling this nudge to actually walking in what I didn't know I was walking in obedience at the time and, and picking up the word and, um, trying to figure it out for myself. I did have Michael to kind of lead me, um, along the way. When, when he learned a little bit more, he shared with me. So just making it kind of like a knowing of God to making a, a full-fledged relationship with him. Um, that's probably where it started back. That's probably back in 2017. Um, I think when our husbands were walking with Chris. Right. Yeah. Just knowing, like knowing there's more and then find, finding out, like I remember reading this book, Rachel had given me this book and it, it, this lady talked about how she would just sit for hours and hours and just devour the scripture and get get this true meaning out of the scripture. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, who, who has time to do that? I don't have time to sit here and go through scripture after scripture and write page after page on it. Um, and I look back at that now and I just crack up at the immature me because that's what we do. You know, that's right. That helps us hear the voice of the Lord and it helps us understand what he's saying and get to the true meaning. And so it's pretty cool to see the transition of knowing about him to having a full-fledged relationship with him. And it's definitely freeing. I think that's when it was for me. It, it was um, when Travis first started uh, D group with, with Chris is it went from just a book that sat on the nightstand or on the coffee table that I opened on Sundays to a, to a book that I started to, to read out of obligation more than out of desire. Yeah, you are further than I am. I didn't even have a Bible. I remember I got one when I was 18. I had gone with a friend to, to a youth group. And I didn't have a Bible, so they gave me one. And that was the one I had, but it wasn't the one I started reading. I actually stole Michael's Bible for a little while <laughs> until he realized it was gone. And I ended up having to order myself one. And I got this ginormous brick of a Bible because it breaks down. It kind of, it's a study Bible. So it has, it had what I needed. It had all the milk in it that I needed to, to be able to digest what it was saying. So, yeah, I, I think it's cool how the Lord can, but he takes us from there. Like I, like I started reading out of obligation. Mm -hmm. first to Travis and then that transition to be an obligation to reading because I'm I'm told by the Lord that I need to know his word and then <laughs> it 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 has just recently in the last several months transitioned to a desire to really dig in and just to know to constantly be in the yeah. word and know it like it, it it starts as an obligation to either someone or to the Lord and then um, at least for me and then to become to like that intimate time that you have with the Lord in the morning and a desire to be there. Yeah. And instead of the attitude, like who has time to get <laughs> that? It becomes like, how can I not do this? Like how, yeah. how can I, how can I do less other things than so I can make room for that? I think I thought it was a, uh, you know, I read that book and I thought this lady is crazy. I'm never going to do that. Um, 
so I think at first you think it's a, you read it and you're good. And then you read it though. And then you're like, well, I didn't catch half of that. So now I need to start over and um, figure out what it's really saying. Right. Because when I started, I didn't know why I was reading it. So I, for me, it was, it wasn't out of obligation. It was out of yearning to know more. That reminds me of um, when you guys were talking about like saying, you know, you need to do something, but then how it became like a desire. So that word is Ido. I mean, mm-hmm. seeing that becomes knowing then is the gateway to grasp spiritual truth. You know, so you guys are like, you knew you had to do it, but like the Lord's using that to then help you grasp the yeah, spiritual truth right. and just want that desire with him. Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a super, um, for me, it was super intense revelation of, wow, this is, this is what the other people in my life have that I haven't, that I haven't been able to grasp before. So. Um, I don't know. Super awesome. So what about, what about you, Summer? Like, was there, did you notice anything like that before? Like, because there was like Lauren, there was a long time between when you first met the Lord to when you started a disciple making relationship. Like you talked a little bit about when you guys adopted um, and that was before disciple making um, before you even knew what that was. So kind of, kind of what was life like in general in the life of, of, a Christian summer prior to disciple making. So like for me before disciple making, like this, the, the Christian summer before that was very much about me centered. It was like, I wanted to learn more about the Lord. Like I wanted, um, like we had gone through some really tough things and man, I'm so thankful for those. I'm reminded of James when he talks about, um, to count it joy when we go through many trials. So after we brought our daughter home, um, we actually went into a very um, huge spiritual warfare, um, and and the Lord brought me to my knees. I was severely depressed during that time, and all I knew to do was to to sit in the Word. Like I just, I couldn't even get past like another minute without like what like Lord speak to me. I I need something because um, the trials and the and the spiritual warfare and the heaviness on our family at that time was so extreme. Like I, I literally just clung to his word. And so it was very much a me centered and my identity was so much in like what I, how I was as a mom and like what other people thought of me before, you know, as a mother and how my kids act. And it was also very wrapped up in, in that I was a NICU nurse and that, um, you know, same thing. Like I was very much a people pleaser and I wanted to look good. Um, and so like that, my identity was so messed up, but the Lord used these trials to first bring me to my knees and, and to see, like he brought us through, like, it's just crazy. Like so many miracles that have happened in our life, like one with the adoption. And then this time, like when we brought our home, it was six months later, this spiritual warfare, um, started happening. And like through that time, like, you know, we always talk about the Putman circle, like he put me through so many trials and just intenseness during those few couple of years, like he broke me, but I'm so grateful because I finally knew who he was. Um, but, but still, it was still me centered. So for sure, like there's a, there's a difference that once we start talking about actual disciple making, like how that's changed. I think that kind of goes to like, you know, we talk about the first, you see the, the word, um, as a um as a picture on a page and then you see it as a mm-hmm. mirror and then you see it uh as the way we see the world through through the eyes of of jesus and so like that that's what i was reminded of if you're talking about being me centered it's it's more about how the word affects me directly yeah and how it applies to me without really concern not necessarily concern i don't know that that's the right word but um without regard to how, how other people are affected by the word or about sharing it with other people. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's just, um, I don't know. Yeah. Does that make sense? I agree. Yeah, absolutely. That's my story. Um, and I also, I didn't know, I knew you were a nurse. I, I did not know you were a NICU nurse. Um, there was a time in my life where I wanted to be a nurse a PICU nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you know that um, my first husband and I lost a daughter to late onset group B strep. Oh, wow. And yeah, so she was four weeks old before she got sick. And then she just started crying one day and she was in a coma within six hours. And so wow. we spent 10 days without ever leaving the hospital. And the, the hospital here in Oklahoma City that we were at, it didn't have a a place really for us to stay it had a really small waiting room and we literally slept on the floor like grown adults sleeping on the floor every night for 10 nights um 
but eventually, you know, she passed away. And, and I just remember the resolve that those nurses had. Like, how did they treat these little bitty babies? Um, and such, like, I don't, I don't know how you guys do it. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's the like Lord. The Lord has to give you a special gift to be able yeah, to Yeah, absolutely. Sure. So um, I think that's awesome um, oh, that you're a Nikki nurse. So anyways, a little side note about Lori. Mm-hmm. And that, that was, um, I had, had met the Lord at that point, but I was completely off course. Um, had no relationship with the Lord. I don't know that I had opened my Bible within a five year before or after that. And so um, I didn't, I didn't recognize until later the ways that the Lord moved in that and, and the ways um, like it did eventually build pillars of faith in me, but I didn't recognize it at that moment. Um, So anyways, side note, what about how life is different? Like summer for you, now that you have gone through the disciple making process and you have led a, two groups, have you? I'm on my third. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so, so kind of give me an idea of what life was like um, after you first went through disciple making uh, and Rachel Moyks discipled you. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So I was actually Rachel's first women's group um, that she ever led. So um, it, it's funny, like she did amazing and, and, was incredible. It was kind of like how Stanton was with Chris, you know, like being the first group, you're never going to be great at it. Um, but man, Rachel was amazing and she's a dear, dear friend of mine. And, you know, so since you guys kind of got a little bit of backstory, like I knew the word. And so like, it was like, Rachel would always say, I'm so glad Summer's in this group because she can help me a little bit. Um, but it's still, so for me, it was like, there was some a lot of transformation that happened there um, as far as just helping me process. Cause I was, I'm always one of those, like, everything's fine. We're good. Everything's great. I love Jesus. Um, but because of the things that I talked about earlier, that, that really dark time in my life, like I, I hadn't actually forgiven Christ for it. Like I knew like he was taking me through it and I knew like, and I saw his miracles, but like I was holding on to this bitterness of like, still, why did, why did we have to walk through that? You know? And so my biggest transformation was like, literally, um, I remember finally like realizing it. And, you know, I think things are so deep in us. Sometimes we don't even realize it like that bitterness or that, that hurt that sits there. Um, but anyways, it, it, like the Lord revealed it to me and, um, like they, I remember them coming and they prayed over me and put their hands on me. And, and so I knew I had to get to work in that. And I had to like walk myself through Kairos, you know, in this moment and so I, uh, I remember driving in the car and I was, I was, um, you know, singing and like praying and asking the Lord to like, help me forgive you. Like, I don't, I didn't even realize this was sitting here. Like what? And so I remember all of a sudden, like, I, I like, it's the Holy spirit, right? Like the Holy spirit literally came on me and like, I just felt this weight lifting. And like, I just remember bawling my eyes out. Like, I forgive you. I forgive you. But man, like the Lord has to do it. Like we, we just have to let go of control. Right. right. Like I believe for us as women, like we like to control things. Like it goes yes. back all the way to Eve. Right. Like she yes. was trying to control the situation, like eat this apple, you know? And so, um, man, my desire for women is like to let go and let Jesus be Lord of their lives. Like that is where my heart beats. Um, because I saw it in my own life and I, I continue to see it in these women that I, that I, you know, disciple and like the transformation I see it. So many of them is like, man, I didn't realize how easy it is when I let go of the control, like how much peace there is when I allowed Jesus to be Lord of my life. So man, that was a huge part for me when I was in discipleship. After being discipled, like, like Summer just talked about how like her life changed through the process of discipleship um, and how like literally um, for forgiving, essentially forgiving the Lord, right? Yeah, Somewhere like, like you're really mad at the Lord. And mm-hmm. so like, like getting rid of that root of bitterness in her. And, and that's kind of the big thing that she came through. So like for you, what was, what was the one thing, like how your life is different um, in the Lord after the process of, of going through discipleship? Okay. So after the process of di- discipleship, first, um, what goes with this is Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, And it says, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens the face of his neighbor. Um, and so the iron sharpens iron is kind of, is kind of what I, what I live by now, like through the process of disciple making, I learned what it looked like to give my life away 
Um, I learned what my purpose was in this world. And my purpose is not my purpose. It's my purpose is what the Lord has willed for me. And so um, through the process of disciple making, I learned that um, I'm not here for me, you know, and uh, it's a, it's a little bit to swallow when you're used to living in a culture that's all me, 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 me. Um, so I think the, the most beautiful thing that came out of that for me was, was learning what it looked like to lay my life down for others and um, to be iron that sharpens iron and um, to spur others on to love and good deeds. And that's, um, that's kind of what I, I, I walked away with is that knowing now what we know, there's no way it's kind of like, I don't know, in my covenant, it talks about, um, like, I know what my life is like before Jesus. And I know what my life is like now and knowing, um, what I know now, I could never go back to what, to what it was. Um, and so through disciple making it, it just really opened my eyes to, to how blind I was, which is funny. I opened my eyes to how blind I was and, um, what our true purpose is in this world. And it's to, help others learn what I've been taught and to give away what's been given to me um, so that they can go out and do the same for others, walking out 2 Timothy 2 too. Um, so I, I wish that I had something different to say. No, I, I think that's I, perfect. I, but that's, I think, my biggest takeaway and just getting to do life with other women and um, gaining these spiritual sisters. Summer, when you were talking about how you didn't even know that there was a root of, or root, root, mm -hmm. however root. you want to say it, of, of bitterness. Like it reminded me of like one of the things that I, that changed for me during the, during, um, while being discipled by Kelly and it, it didn't happen during like any of our, our meetings or any of the times that we were together as a disciple making group. It happened literally at one, one day at church when I was talking to Priscilla and Priscilla asked me who who told me in my life that I was responsible for saving everyone? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, somebody had to tell me because I've believed it my whole life. So surely <laughs> like somebody has told me that. Um, but like right before that, and I don't know, the week or two before that, when we had got on stage and um, like we went through a Sunday where people got up and, and talked about um, the biggest things that they had learned during, I think it was during discipleship. And Mine was, um, I shared a scripture from Job, and it's Job 13, 23. And like the NASB says, how many are my iniquities and sins? Make known to me my rebellion and my sin. And so I literally prayed to the Lord that he would reveal to me my sin because I was good. I was a good person. I didn't, you know, I, I had always been what I thought was ethically right and moral my whole life. And so I needed the Lord to reveal that to me. And then that day at church, he literally revealed to me that I was taking ownership of his job of savior. Mm -hmm. And like that, like totally crushed me. Like I am, I'm trying to be Jesus to all of these people. And who am I to think that I'm better than Jesus? And like that, that wrecked me that day. Like I, in the middle of worship, I had to run over to Priscilla and give her a big old hug and, like it was, it was the coolest revelation really for me. And it was, it was freedom that comes from that. That's that I no longer am responsible for these lives. Mm -hmm. I'm responsible for obeying the Lord and, and sharing his word, but I'm not responsible for the outcome of these people. And the freedom that came from that was, was really a huge, huge transformation. Like that's probably what, there was a couple of D2 moments for me during disciple making. And, and that was, that was a big one for me. And that's exactly like, I love that you said that because like, that's where my heart beats so much is the freedom. Like when I gained that freedom of letting go and realizing it wasn't on me, it was allowing like, like, so um, in Philippians 4, 12, it says, I have learned the secret. And what that word means is muio. I'm a, I'm a butcher that, <laughs> but it means experiencing the revelation of the Holy spirit. So what that means is like, when we sit with the Lord, we experience the revolution, like the revelation of the Holy spirit. Like he does it. He does the work. All we have to do is, is open our hands and say, like, we can't do this on our own. Like we, and, and there's freedom that breaks into our lives when we do that. And when we get to like, so my heart beats for my women to experience the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, freedom happens and you can't stop us. You know what I mean? Yeah, and mm -hmm. so part of that too, is it says um, by experiencing 
by experiencing the Holy Spirit, you gain faith, right? Because God and faith means that it's God's persuasion in us. And then because of that, every situation of life becomes equally internally meaningful. And that is what discipleship is for me. Like my life has so much meaning now because in every situation, I know the Lord is working and that all I am is here is to, is to be his workman, you know, ship right. and to go and to do what he's asked me to do. And like, man, when I get to see the freedom in women's lives, when they, when they obey the Lord and they see the goodness of the Lord, like that is where my heart beats. Um, and it also goes back to like, I really like one of my verses for me is it's kind of cool. Like a couple of weeks ago, um, I was praying with a couple of people, Pete Kerwin, who I know we need to get on here and, and, uh, have him do a podcast sometime. And then Kelly Lemon, both of those, hopefully in the fall we'll have, um, anyways, do a recording. I'll put them in the queue. Yes. <laughs> so we were praying and when Pete was praying, like the three of us, like we're, we're prophets, we love to pray. <laughs> and so the three of us were praying. And when he started, uh, praying, like for some reason, like the Holy spirit just came on me strong. I just started bawling my eyes out. And like, what it was is like, I, like my heart beats for generational sin. And like, there's generations of sin, of abuse and alcoholism and um, anger and all these things. And like, we, we allow, like they come with us as, as, you know, blood family, but like my heart beats for us to like break free of those. And so it was cool. Like when I was like, I was crying and I was praying and like asking the Lord to like break these generational sins. He actually had me stand up and Kelly Lemon put like, looked me in the eyes, put her hands on my shoulder, looked me in the eyes. And she said, she was praying, like speaking life over me of who I am. I mean, she said, you're a chain breaker. And in that moment, like that was my new name. Like, you know, the Lord gives us these names. And so um, Isaiah 61 says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Like I know the spirit is, is on me and it lives in me. And because of this, the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives. And that is my, that is why I do this. Like that is my why. Wow, I love that. Um, I don't think we recognize a lot of times that we are captives. Like we're living in bondage when, mm -hmm. when we don't even recognize our sin. Um, and, and you can't, you can't repent and change your mind and believe the good news if you don't know what the sin is. Mm -hmm. So if you guys don't mind, if we rewind just the second you mentioned D2. Yeah. Um, so, so through the process of disciple making, um, D, when we talk about D2, just for those of you that are not aware, we, D2 is, um, the part of disciple making, like there are four, pretty much four stages of disciple making and, um, we call D2, the D2 is the hard stage. We're like the honeymoon stage of getting to know one another and building, like the building of relationships has, has, is done. And we're, you know, like us for our women, we're, we're true sisters. Um, so D2 rolls around and that's where we walk through our hard things with one another. Like we know we're not meant to walk alone. We're not to do these things alone. And so we refer to it as D2, um, which is where we, like when Lori talks about, like I had a D2 moment, um, she had a hard thing she had to walk through. And the beauty of that is um, when you're in a group, the way we do here, um, is that you don't, you're not walking through this alone. So you're not left um, just kind of wondering where the Lord is in that hard moment. You have women around you who are, who are giving you the word and lifting you up and um, spurring you on as you walk through these hard things, um, knowing that, um, you know, when, when you're walking through a hard thing, it's hard to see the beauty at the end of it. But, but having the women surrounding you through that D2 moment it makes it easier to walk through the hard thing. And then you get to bask in the glory of the Lord when you're on the other side of it. So just wanted to touch really quick on D2 in case that gets brought up again later, that, right. that that's part of our disciple making language. Yep. Thank you for that. Um, leaders also go through the same thing. As, as the Oh yeah. I think it's worse. I think it's worse. There's so many times as a, as a disciple leader where you're like, Lord, um, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to say that right now. I have no clue what I'm doing. I don't know why you've entrusted these women to me. Uh, this is hard and it's messy and it's ugly. And I don't really know yet if I want it, but I'm going to continue pressing into it because I know that this is the path that you've set forth for my life. So right. uh, it is definitely hard and it's awesome being able to have your sisters to go back to and your husband to lean on when you have those um, pity moments where you just want to curl up in a ball and cry. Um, and, and when you have people around you who support you and, and um, you know, like we back everything with the words that so we find comfort in that and being able to have somebody give you the word that brings you comfort 
as a disciple leader, it's, it's crucial. Like it's, it's so important, like being, going through the process of disciple making, it's hard enough, but when you're turning around and you're giving these things away and there's just not, there's no, there's no right way to do it. We all just, we just kind of have to go as the Lord leads. And, um, it, it is difficult. Like you're, you find out later, like I'm learning, um, I'm on my first group and we are in our second season of rest and it's neat to sit back and realize this is why the Lord put this woman in my life. Um, this is why, like I, I, knowing that he has equipped me and he, um, has equipped the other women in the room to walk through hard things, those D2 moments together. Uh, it's, it's just really neat to see, like, I, I believe that the Lord is letting me see a little, have a little bit of fruit in that getting to sit back and, and, fully understand why this woman is sitting in my living room. So the hard moments, like I remember our first season of rest, I didn't want to come back. I was like, well, that was fun. That was a good test run. I think I'm done now. Um, but that's just not how it works. So <laughs> with a lot of encouragement and a lot of um, fit throwing and pity parties on my end, um, we went back to Monday night in the living room and um, it just progressively got better and it, prog- it just got so sweet and uh, almost to well absolutely toward the end of this second season, it was hard to walk away for a season of rest because it didn't like nothing felt as hard. Like we had the Lord behind us. The women are abiding. They're sitting with the Lord. Um, the hard, most of the hard things had been walked through and we were on the other side walking in freedom and that. And so it's just so sweet that I love that. Like for you, for you guys that are listening, Lauren was talking about the season of rest, um, or abide season. That's something that we that we model here. There there are several instances and evidences in the New Testament where Jesus rested from his ministry. He went up the mountain. He um, prayed to the Father alone and and took a rest from the ministry. And so we try to model that, and we do that twice a year. We do that a couple of months in the summer and a couple of months in the winter. Yeah. So so it comes from Luke, um, one one of them, one of the verses, and it's um, Luke six twelve, where it says, "One of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose his, chose his twelve, um, whom he also desig- designated apostles. Um, so he actually like it's a good model of him. There, like you said, there are multiple times in the Word right. where Jesus retreats to a private place to be with the Father, and so that's through our, through our season of rest, that's what we, what we mimic that he's modeled for us, where we retreat, we pull our pendulum back and, um, we sit with the Lord and we spend quality time with our families before we dive back into, back into mission work. It's, um, in the ministry. So it, it's a good way to avoid burnout. And I'm so thankful for it. Right. Right. There, there's so many stories, like you look in the news and there's stories of ministry burnout everywhere and it manifests itself in so many different ways. And so how awesome that the Lord has provided a model for us to, to prevent that. Um, I actually am on my very first um, rest season and I was ready for it. And, and the ladies in my group were not. And I get like, I guess that I remember my first abide season when I was being discipled by Kelly, like I wasn't ready for that because you're still in that transition between D1 and D2 stages where it's still fun and, and you enjoy that weekly, that weekly sisterhood that you get to, like you get to debrief about your week and then you get to talk about the, the what the Lord is doing in your life and um, like that relationship part. It's like, wait, I, I need that every week. I like, but, but if we don't, if we don't have that rest season and we don't, those ladies that are in our groups, if they don't learn to depend on the Lord and their relationship in the Lord, then, then we're just discipling them to us instead right. of discipling them to the Lord. So um, rest season is good for yeah. everybody. So Travis just handed me the other verse that I was looking for, um, but it, it's not the one that immediately came to mind. I always go to Luke six, but this one is Mark six thirty one, And it says, then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So that's where we get the, the verbiage season of rest. Like it's just a little break, a little time with the Lord with the father. I have one more question about discipleship, and then I just want to talk to you guys about um, just ministry in general with your husbands. What is your biggest observation regarding misconceptions of surrounding disciple the disciple making process? Well, one that it's a click. Two that it's a uh, what do they refer to it as a cult or something? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's that's weird to me. 
following Jesus is not, well, I mean, if it's a cult, then sign me up. I'm in, I'm all in. Um, I think that uh, outside looking in, and I mean, I guess I could say this from past experience in my younger days before my relationship with the Lord, um, on the outside looking in, you're like, man, that's a bunch of Jesus freaks. Now I boldly claim that title. I'll take it. Um, But it's just... And that's the beauty of being in a church the way we are, where it's so widespread and we all have a common language in disciple making that um, like we have one another to to lift up. And and so when we get that outside flack of of us being cultish or, you know, like the, just the misunderstanding of what it is really um, like we have one another to, to continue to lean on. But yeah, I think that's the it's just the misunderstanding from the outside. Like it, it's just, I think people sometimes get uncomfortable. Like they, they don't do know what uncomfortable. Yeah. They don't know they, what to do. We, do we talk about yeah. Jesus? How far do we talk? I don't want to say too much because then I'll sound dumb. You know, like we just want to sit and talk about the Lord all day. I don't care if you're right or wrong. Let's right. just talk about the Lord. And that's why I love like that. You know, we can say like we follow Jesus and this is how Jesus did it. He picked his 12 and he even went down to three, you know? So it's so fun to, to know, like, we're doing what the Lord has asked us and we're just following exactly what Jesus did. So it's so cool. Like, I love it when people come and ask me that. Cause I'm like, here, let me show you. Like, <laughs> this is the why this is just how the Lord did it. And so, um, your time will come, you know, like, but there's only so many of us. And so that's why I just love the movement, you know, this continuing to spread and seeing it spread to so many different, um, cities and, and communities and all that stuff. And it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. And the mere fact that we do look different to people on the outside proves all the more that we're, that we're on, like we're onto something here. So I'm just going to read to you guys the definition of cult. Oh dear. I just Googled. <laughs> okay. It is a noun. It is a system of religious devotion directed towards, toward a particular figure or object. Well, all right then. Instead of a particular figure or object, you could just replace that with Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> religious devotion. Well, like I said, I'm in. Jesus right. cult. What, what's a Jesus word for What's, a, what's right. his name for it? JC. Yeah. That's what JC. we're part of. JC. <laughs> exactly. Man, Lauren, there was something that, that you were touching on that I wanted to, to say, and I, I cannot remember what it is. It'll probably come to me here in a minute. Yeah. Right. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is doing ministry with our husbands and what that looks like. Um, so Travis and I have worked together pretty much since we met. We, when we first met, we met in December of 2012. I mean, sorry, December of um, 2009. And in April of 2010, we went on a completely unscheduled trip to England. And on the train ride or plane ride or bus ride or one of the rides somewhere to and from we started a business together and we had only known each other less than five months and from that moment on we pretty much worked together and so ministry together for us is normal because that's how we we've always lived our lives parallel most people come home from from their work at day, during the day and they talk about their day. Well, Travis and I don't do that because our day is experienced side by side. Like everything for the most part that he experiences, I experience too. So we don't have to, there's no debriefing really. The only time we really debrief is whenever we have D group because, I, you know, I, 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 that's the three or four or five hours that he's not part of my life. Um, and then he, he does the same thing. Like the things that he, that, um, that he kind of revealed in, in group. And then I'll talk about the things that I reveal in group and, um, the things, the hard things that I walk through, like, but we've always done things together, but like Summer, you and Stanton haven't like until just recently, he just started working from home. Right. And other than that, you guys have had separate nine to five jobs or whatever. Yeah, kind of. Um, he's, he does have the privilege of working, you know, he was before a couple of days a week or whatever. And then I am home primarily. I, as a nurse, I was just only going in a couple of times a month, but I'm home and I homeschool the kids. So for me, um, like it's, it's beautiful, man. When you talk about unity and when, when your husband and you are on the same path of like the Lord has called us to disciple making and, and we will lay down our lives and continue to do this until he calls me home. Like 
like the unity of, of the marriage is just incredible. And so like, I think about like a lot of women, you know, I, my kids are getting older. Our youngest is 11. And then we have a 20 year old an 18 year old, a 17 year old and a 13 year old. And it's like, I can see how like, you know, I, as, as they keep getting older, it's like, oh man, they are going to be gone soon. And how so many, you know, mothers are like empty nesters and they don't know what to do with their life or you have that midlife crisis of like, okay, now what, what's the next thing in our, in our, in our life. And like Stanton, I don't have that. Like we are on mission to do this for, for the rest of our lives and like to see women's lives being transformed through disciple making and, and seeing them go and do it for others and continue to do it for others. Like, like it's a beautiful thing. And I, all I can say is like our marriage has only become better. Like that, I, I all say this, but like our marriage has always been a gift. Like there, we've never had issues. Like that's not our story. Um, and I'm just so blessed by that. But man, like when you have a, a husband who leads well and, and I can submit, like, it's so easy for us, you know, like right. we don't, we don't have issues. Like we're on the same path and, and we know that Jesus is Lord of our lives. And like the closer that we are to Jesus, the closer we are. And um, yeah, like I'm just so grateful for our marriage. That's like the perfect picture of the marriage triangle of mm-hmm. the wife down on, on the bottom right and the husband on the bottom left and, and the Lord at the top. And, and the closer you move, you each move to the Lord, the closer you by default move towards each other. And, and then I, it, yeah, it becomes a that. true court of three strands where mm-hmm. it's the husband, the wife, and the Lord um, in the marriage. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I see it like each year, you know, I'm like, man, I'm even closer to him. Like, how can I love this guy anymore? It's been 15 years. I love that. Awesome. That is, that's so awesome. What about you, Lauren? Cause you and Michael up until recently also had separate nine to five jobs, but yeah, like, essentially. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to step it back a little further, uh, for a minute and go into like looking at, looking at, um, our marriage now with ministry. Um, if you had told me even like seven years ago that this would be my life, I would have laughed. Like I always knew, um, like I, I know Michael has shared, um, our story on a previous podcast. Um, but I always knew that he was destined for something greater than he was. Um, I just really, I had started losing hope. It was actually going to happen. So it's just so sweet to know, like, who he was before and who I get to walk next to now makes me really emotional. Like I, I look at him now and even li- like little things that will irritate me. Like I, he knows this. And so this is not new, but I hate when he yells from the stage, but I look at that <laughs> and, um, man, it used to, used to bother me, but I look at it now and I'm like, man, I'd rather have a, a, my husband yelling from the stage out of his love for the Lord than what I had before. Um, and so it, it's neat to see how, you know, like when he started discipleship and he'd come home so excited, wanting to show me things and I never wanted any of it because I hadn't seen transformation yet. So once I started seeing transformation in him, it, it started to pique my attention, um, and pique my interest. And, uh, as I, that's when I, that's actually when I started to abide. Um, so it's kind of, you're talking about the, the triangle, like as we've both grown toward the Lord. Um, we've grown closer together and, um, like the oneness that comes in that is something that is, is really beautiful. I never imagined that it would be part of my life, you know, like knowing, knowing our past and knowing, um, like I just, I just, I knew that there was something, um, that he would become. I didn't know what it was. And I'm so thankful that this is what I get to walk next to. Like he's the absolute best ministry partner. And we do really a really good job of keeping each other in line. Um, when one of us, like we're also really good at having pity parties sometimes. Um, <laughs> that's just ministry in itself because it is hard. Um, but knowing that I can just say something and, and know that he's not going to judge me, he's going to gently correct me and he's going to do that with the word. Um, so it's not, you know, when you talk about oneness and you talk about like submitting to your husband, it's not like he's got a thumb on me. Like it's, he leads me and and he does a really good job. And I'm so thankful for it because for so long in our home, if you could even consider it, I was the spiritual leader. Um, and so for him to take on that role and to lead our family the way he does, it's stinking awesome. I love it. Yeah, love it's pretty too. cool. Like 
like when you say like submitting, you know, like I know that that word can be like eh, sometimes, yeah, but yeah. it's like, man, when your husbands are, are, are following Christ and their relationship is so close, like they love us well, you know, I can, That's, I think yes. I can say that about all of our husbands is that, right. you know, I don't know, like my hubby, he, he takes good care of me. Yeah. I also can say like Michael and I just had a conversation this morning about you know, like people hear the word submission and they just have this negative thought on it. And that's just, when you really dig into it, we know that that's not what it is. Right. Um, but it's neat to see, like, I allow him, like, I don't allow him to lead me. Like, I guess I do. I, 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 he leads our home and he leads it well. Um, but I am starting to see like how this is moving from just being something in my home to being something in my workplace. And um, like the Lord has put me in this leadership program at work. And there's one of, one of my teammates, um, he, um, like he and I are giving our, he, we're putting t together this presentation and we're giving, we're giving the presentation together. Um, and I found myself about halfway through realizing, um, like he's typing the script where normally I would be typing the script. And it's like, it's humbling to, to sit back and be like, I I'm giving some of that control over. It's not always, it doesn't always have to be me. I don't have the best ideas. Like I don't always have to lead things. And so allowing him to even lead in that sense. Like it, right. it starts, well, of course it starts in the home, like learning to, to submit and follow. And I'm not saying women can't be leaders. Absolutely not. But in this sense, like it, it, it was just a good example, like to submit in the home and to submit in the workplace and allow this guy to lead us in our presentation and to kind of like to me to sit back. And it, it was just, it was, a, it was a good moment where the Lord humbled me where like I, um, think that I had been finding myself a little prideful in my work. And this was a good way. The Lord reminded me of like, listen, you're not like, we're going to humble you here and you're going to submit to this guy and you guys are going to do this together, but he is leading. And so it's, it's pretty neat to see how it is in the home, but it also can flow over into the workplace too. Well, I think the cool thing about that is like when you, when you trust fully and totally in the Lord to work in the people that you're submitting to. Yeah. Like well, that makes it so much exactly. easier. Like you're not really, Michael said today, like you're not really submitting to him. You're submitting to the Lord because it has made me emotional this morning. Like I know, like I work, I work in the government and for the government and it, there are not a lot of Christian leaders and the Lord put me where I am for a reason. And he's starting like, as I walk, it's being revealed to me more and more. And this is, this was an, amazing opportunity for the Lord to humble me and to submitting to like, not like you said, I'm not submitting to him. I'm submitting to the Lord. And this is where I'm supposed to be right now. And this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So it's pretty beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so Lauren, you work for the government. Um, Summer and I both own businesses. And so um, one of the ways that the Lord has worked in our business is about a year ago, I was trying like, I was trying, I was really wrestling with where I was in disciple making and then my job to go and share the gospel with anyone and everyone that I could and how that played out in my business. So I, we, Travis and I own a retail business and I, I was trying to figure that out and it didn't make sense. I'm like, how do, how do I not make people mad? Like, what if I offend someone with my Christian beliefs? And then I, I heard a podcast, um, of a lady who, who actually is from Kansas city. And she was saying that the Lord, she was trying to do the same thing one day and she heard the Lord loud and clear. And he's like, no, you, you need to be ministering to these people in whose houses you're painting. Like if they don't want you there, then, then that's on them, not on you. And so that I took that opportunity. I told Travis, I'm like, I want to put scripture on the walls in our store. And, and so for those of you that don't know, we, we own a CBD store. And so there's, a, there's already some controversy about, about CBD because it's cannabis. And so to put scripture on the walls was kind of a little odd. Um, but I felt the Lord telling me to do that. And then another thing is I, we handwrite, we started out that day handwriting individual scriptures on every single bag that leaves our store. And so twice, twice a week, um, generally it's me because I have better handwriting only because I'm a woman, <laughs> but twice a week we write scripture on, I don't know, 50, 60 bags and it's individual scriptures. It's all handwritten and, and it's not the same scripture. Like we have customers that come in all the time. Like, why don't, why don't you just, um, have these pre-printed? It would be so much easier. I'm like, it would be easier, but then we would miss out on like, sometimes the Lord speaks to me in that. He speaks to me in the scriptures that I'm trying to, to put on those bags. 
And so I am not giving up that time. Like that's additional abide time for me um, to do that. And so it has transformed our business completely. Like people get those scripture bags and they're like, oh my gosh, I, this is exactly what I needed to hear today. Oh my goodness. I have these bags in my, I keep it in my Bible. Like it, it, it's just transformed our business. It's transformed Travis and me as, as business owners. And, um, and so Summer, I know you also Mm. run your own business and, um, I, I see you on Facebook. I see your Facebook lives and, and so kind of speak into that about how you merge the, like your beliefs, your, um, your love for the Lord in your business, kind of what that looks like. I'm so glad you brought that up because the Lord is doing some big things in my business and, um, it's just, it's incredible. And so like, I, like I talked about earlier, like I, I gave up nursing and I always thought that that was my field and it was for 15 years, but he's given me this opportunity. And I think like when people think of internet or Facebook, like they think of it as a dark place. And like, I believe that the Lord is using this to go to all the ends of the earth, you know, like we can use it to be the light. And the Lord has told me like, this is your ministry field. This is like my, what Rachel Wicks used to call her third place, her third space or something like that. Like it's my third space, but it mean, it's becoming almost one of my number ones. Like I disciple my people and my women, you know, in person, but like the Lord is using this. Like I tell Stan all the time, like this woman like came out of nowhere. Like they message me, like the Lord just continues to bring me these women that are like either that, like I, you know, I post a lot of light, like the people, people who follow me know that I love Jesus and I'm a Jesus freak. And so like I get to minister, I have um, over 160 women on my team with my business and I continue to get to just speak life into them. Um, but man, even like a recent story was this gal who, um, wanted to buy some products for me. And so I messaged her and I was like, oh my gosh, you're with my previous company that I used to be with. How's it going? And she just started like pouring out, like it's hard and like, I'm not getting the support and I'm not doing this. And she just started sharing her life story with me. And like, she, um, you know, has a daughter that's, that's struggling with some anxiety. And I literally, I've never met this woman in that night. Stanton was sitting next to me. I talked to her for two hours just through Facebook and I walked her through a Kairos. Like I helped her hear the voice of the Lord. The Lord is so good to me. Like he just, he, he does it. Like I'm actually working less and like, because I've handed my business over the Lord, like I'm working less and, and he just continues to bring me more women to, to minister to. It's, it's just incredible. I think that's awesome. I think that's a, that's a misconception that we have. And I, and, and I don't know if it's women or if it's men and women, but that we can't take the Lord into our workplace, whether it's the government or it's the private sector or we own our own businesses. Like we have this, this misconception Um, we can be like, I know there's supposed to be this separation of, of church and state, like, but we can be like Jesus without saying we're being like Jesus. That's why we have the parables. Yes. Yeah. You just have to be the Jesus that they know and they, they experience it as opposed to you just preaching to them. And so that, I don't know, that, that was a huge revelation for me last year. And and I just love it that we have that freedom to bring the Lord into our workplace and and that we're able to do that. So um, unless there's anything else either one of you have to say, um, anybody? is good yeah, there's awesome. nothing you, you think you need need the world to know something yeah for me I mean like I think if if you're listening and you're like where do I start like just sit with the Lord just open your word and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you like I think I hear so many women like I just don't understand it like ask the Lord to drop that veil for you yep. and just start somewhere start in the gospels just just ask the Lord to continue to to open yeah. your eyes to something and he will, he's good like that. Like yeah. I've read so many different things that, you know, he revealed something new to me and I've, I've read it a hundred times, you know, but he can, he's just so good. And, and, um, I'm trying to think of the verse, you know, but it's alive and active, you know, his word mm-hmm. is alive and active. And so like, ask the Lord, he wants to give it to you. Yep. Yeah. And if all else fails, find a way to reach out to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you know any of us personally, me or Summer or Lauren, you can reach out to us directly, directly, um, if you don't, then you can reach out to the Brown to Green organization, which um, I believe is at the beginning of the podcast, the contact information for that. So so, so if, the, if you do want to reach out to us, you can go to podcast at brown to green dot org. Gotcha. Yeah. Just that All in right. there. 
Yeah. So you can email us there, podcast at browndegreen.org. Summer, do you want to you want to pray us out? Absolutely. Lord, thank you for this time with Lori and Lauren and, and me and like that you just continue to work in our lives, Lord, and that you um, have a anointed us um, with your goodness and your spirit to go and make disciples, Lord. And so we just ask right now that, that if somebody's out there hearing this, that they would just reach out, that they would just take that next step of just reaching out and asking for help or like, how do I do this in my own life? And so Lord, I just thank you for this time and for these stories, um, that this is our testimony and that you use each one of us you know, different lives and testimonies to bring the good news to others. So Lord, we just thank you so much for this, these women and like for these sisters in Christ that I'm so connected with, even though we don't even know each other. Like I just feel such a bond with them and a love for them. And so Lord, I just thank you for, for who you are and who we are, that we know that we are daughters of the King um, and that you have um, created in us this heart of going and making disciples. And so Lord, we just praise you and we thank you for all that amen amen also a quick reminder that we are beginning our abide season um and so i do believe it'll be several weeks before we have another um, episode after this one i think Um, even the fall yeah i think so probably probably august and so you guys can keep an eye out for that um it'll be on the facebook page on the website and so on the brown and green website so we'll, we'll get that information out to you when the the next podcast after this one is So again, thank you guys for listening to The Great Awakening. Grace and peace. Grace and peace.